Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Nehemiah, an Old Testament passage, um, incredible book um, about an incredible man and so much more about a guy named Nehemiah. And as we get into this, I'm going to read a lot of scripture today to kind of lay the groundwork for today and next Sunday. Um, But what has uh, happened now is uh, Jerusalem, the city of God, has been lying in ruins for about 70 years. Um, the, uh, the, The reason is, is because Babylon came in and destroyed their city and took them captive. And the reason that Babylon was allowed to do this is because of sin in the heart of God's people. So what God did is God handed them over to to Babylon and said, okay, because of your sin, you're not willing to repent, Uh, I'm going to hand you over to your enemy. And so Babylon, sure enough, comes in, takes over, and so now, literally, the city is destroyed. The Bible paints the pictures that the walls are broken down. Um, It lays in ruins. And uh, But now here we are about 70 years later, and a guy named Nehemiah gets it in his spirit and in his heart to begin to rebuild the city of God. Nehemiah chapter 1, starting in verse 1, this says, The words of Nehemiah, son of that person. Come on, somebody. During the month of that month, in the 20th year, when I was, are you with me? When I was in the fortress city of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, arrived with me, uh, arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant. These are the people that are left over still living in that place that had survived the exile. They said to me, the remnant and the providence who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. And here's why. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned down. When Nehemiah heard these words, the Bible says that Nehemiah heard them and he sat down and wept and mourned for a number of days fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now go with me to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. Nehemiah fasts and prays and God speaks to him and says, hey, yeah, I want you to go and uh, repair the walls. I want you to go and do a work. And so then he goes and he inquires of the king that he's serving and says, can I go? King gives him permission to go. Chapter 2, verse 11. And it reads, and after I arrived in Jerusalem and had been there three days, I got up at night and took a few men with me. I didn't tell anyone what my God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only, uh, the only animal I took was the one I was riding. I went out at night through the valley gate toward the serpent's wall and the dung gate. How many of you guys like a gate called that at your place? Come on, somebody. And I, I, I'm assuming that's where they dumped the dung. I don't know. And I, respect, I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. I went on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but farther down it became too narrow for my animal to go through. I went up at night by the way of the valley and inspected the wall. Then heading back, I entered through the valley gate and returned. The officials did not know where I had gone and what I was doing. I had not yet told the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials of the rest of those who who would be doing the work. It goes on, uh, verse 17. So I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned down. 
Come, let's rebuild Jerusalem's walls so that we will no longer be a disgrace. I told them how the gracious hand of God had been on me and what the king had sent to me. And they said, let's start rebuilding. And they were encouraged to do this good work. Amen? Go to chapter 4, verse 6. Chapter 4, verse 6. They begin to do the work. They begin to build. It says, so we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a will to keep working. So they keep working. Verse 15. When our enemies heard that we knew their scheme, enemies scheming to come and stop them from rebuilding the wall, and that God had frustrated it, every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. And from that day on, Half of the half my men did the work while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officials supported all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. The laborers were car- uh, carried the loads, worked with one hand, and held a weapon with the other. Verse 18, each of the builders had his sword strapped around his waist while he was building, and the trumpeter was beside him. So here's the picture. The picture is, is that Nehemiah goes and he rallies a bunch of people to, to help them rebuild. They begin to rebuild. The enemy's not happy. And so the enemy wants to come in and try to stop them from rebuilding. Uh, but God frustrates their plans. And man, the people continue to work. And the Bible paints this picture that they had a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. And they begin to rebuild that which was destroyed. One last verse, Nehemiah chapter six, verse 15. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. And it says, the wall was completed in 52 days. On the 25th day of the month of that month, when all our enemies heard this, all the surrounding nations were intimidated and lost their confidence. Come on, somebody. For they realized, now listen to this, for they realized that this task had been accomplished by our God. Amen. Let me read this last part. And it was completed in 52 days. On the 25th day of that month, when all our enemies heard this, all the surrounding nations were intimidated and lost their confidence, for they realized that this task had been accomplished by our God. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I just ask that in the next few moments that we have together, the Lord, you would speak to each and every one of us. Lord, I pray you would help me now uh, communicate what I believe you have put on our heart, the heart of Canvas Church for 2017. God, let this vision, God, let this, let this, let this vision come and, and compel us, Lord, to do a great work this year. Let this vision come and compel us to help rebuild people's lives, to help rebuild by your grace their marriages. And uh, Lord, Lord, those that are, that are strapped financially, God, by your grace, we would come in and help them rebuild their finances. And Lord, those that are uh, battling health issues, that 2017 would be a year of great healing for them. And by your grace, God, we would come in and help bring that healing through prayer. And God, other areas that need to be rebuilt in our lives. And Lord, I pray for those that are here. And uh, Lord, going to be here next week coming back to church that there are areas in our life that lie in ruins but I pray that by your grace God and with the tools and the weapons you give us that we would come together and begin to build and see it restored in Jesus mighty name amen 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 Uh, my wife and I will celebrate 20 years of marriage this year 
Come on, somebody. I don't know what that is, the 20th year. It's, I don't know, is that, that's not like, you know, silver. I think it's 25. I don't know what 20 is, but we'll figure it out, babe. And uh, we've, had, we've had an incredible journey. And I, I remember parts of our journey, one of which was buying our second home. Anybody ever out there bought a home before? And so we had bought a town home, and that was our very first place we bought, and it was beautiful. We didn't need to do a thing to it. We just moved right in, and um, it's in that, that town home that we had our first little baby child, Cara Rose Brinkman. And uh, shortly after that, we just started feeling like we need to get a house. And, and so we started looking for a home, and we found one a couple blocks away. And, and uh, you know, things aren't cheap in San Diego, amen? And so we had to get what we could get, and we walked in, and we thought, man, this is it. This is a great house. Uh, it, needs, it needs a little fixing up, Not, nothing major, like we're just going to do some, 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 you know, I don't know, some paint and maybe some new carpet and things like that. And so sure enough, we, we took a, like five days and we went in and uh, we repainted the place. We had some new floor put down. As a matter of fact, my, my buddy John Montoya put down a killer floor in that place. And uh, we made this thing, we made this thing look beautiful. We scraped the popcorn. How many people in here like popcorn? Does anybody like popcorn ceilings? No? All right, I didn't think so. We scraped the popcorn off that thing, and, and then we just made it aesthetically. It looked beautiful. And, uh, and so here we are. We're living in our, our new home, and we're so excited about this. And uh, we bought it in the summertime. Wintertime rolls around, and, uh, and it starts raining. And um, as it's raining, this is like I think one of the worst winters on record, and it starts raining. And, and right there in our family room, water starts just pouring into our house. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah. And I'm not talking like a drip. I've seen the drips. I am, I'm, I'm not, I kid you not, we had to put a bucket down there because it was like somebody turned a faucet on. I'm not joking. And it was like just running. We'd have to keep changing out the buckets. So much water was coming in. And we were perplexed by this, had a roofer come out, couldn't figure it out. And, uh, but, man, it's, it's leaking bad. And so happened to be doing a wedding uh, for my neighbor across the street at that time. And so I'm doing the wedding. And lo and behold, the people that sold us the house are at the wedding. And so I see him there, and um, she had a little bit too much to drink, like maybe some of you did last night. Anyway, and, um, oh, no, you're all here, the people that aren't here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and uh, she had a little bit too much to drink, and so I'm talking with her, and, and she was just like, how, how do you like the house? How do you like the house? And I was like, it's great. Um, she goes, well, are you having any problems with it? I said, it's funny you ask, actually. Um, the roof is reeking like cra- leaking like crazy. And she goes, oh, yeah, I did that to us for seven years straight. That's what I did. <laughs> I was just, wow, okay. So now immediately I'm thinking to myself, what is up in the roof? I'm thinking mold because my, my, my daughter's roof is leaking this thing. I mean, it was bad. And so sure enough, we go home, and, and uh, I, you know, it's kind of funny because I heard that mold is toxic. Anybody heard that before? So I didn't want to get it in my lungs. And so my older brother happened to be there. Uh, my oldest brother, actually, happened to be there, and he was living with us at the time. And I said, hey, I need you to do me a favor. He's like, what? I said, I need you to go up in the roof and see what's up there for me. And he was like, okay. And so, uh, and so he did it, and he, sure enough, man, there is black mold everywhere in this house. And, and they, I mean, they, they literally, we go, and we go to pull the sheetrock off. And as we're pulling the sheetrock off, it crumbles and falls, and there's another layer of sheetrock there with mold all over it. So all they did right before they sold the house, they just slapped sheetrock over the mold, painted it up real nice, and sold us the house. Yeah, do you feel my pain? Yeah. Three weeks of biohazard tents set up and people walking in and out of masks. My, my, my babies had nightmares for weeks, you know, thinking of monsters and stuff. Just kidding. And um, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. 
And literally, they had to rip off all of the sheetrock. They had to come in and they had to scrub the beams and they had to do this special treatment. And it was like a two-week-long process and about $25,000 later. And now you really feel my... See, everybody's like, yeah, whatever. And then as soon as I mention money, you're like, oh. It's bad. It's bad. See, what they had done is they had, they had covered up what was ruined. Rather than coming in and properly removing the ruined parts and, and doing things correctly, they just covered it right up, sealed it up with some paint, and said, doesn't it look beautiful? Say, Pastor, why are you sharing that story with us? I'm sharing that story with you because some of you are living your life just like that. You have areas of your life that are ruined. You have areas of your life that are lying in chaos. You have areas of your life that, that need fixed, that need remedied, that needs God's touch, his grace to come. Are you with me? But rather than going through the painful process of, of, of removing away the things that are ruined and, and, and doing things right, what do we do? We just cover it up and keep living life with a smile on our face. And the reality is, is that the ruin is still right there. And it's continuing to wreck your life. It's still it's continuing to wreak havoc. Oh, nobody else might see it because you do a great job of covering up. Nobody else knows how ruined your marriage is because as soon as you get out of the car on Sunday morning, hey, baby. But on the way, you were like, what are you talking about? Why did you do that? You're laughing because I just described your morning. Come on, somebody. And then you get out of the car and you see Pastor. Hey, Pastor, how are you doing? God bless you, brother. Right? Everything's good. Smile on your face. No one knows. But sooner or later, guess what? It's going to come crumbling down. Are you with me this morning? I believe for Canvas Church, and I'm believing for you, that this is the year, if you would allow the Holy Spirit to come in and do the work in your life, that this is the year, come on somebody, where he restores and he rebuilds the things that are ruined in your life. Amen? I'm believing that for you. I'm believing that this is the year that, that all of a sudden you say, you know what, enough is enough. Come on, this is a new day. This is a new year. This is a new beginning. And I'm going to allow the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's something you need to understand. It's not just the work of the Holy Spirit. He empowers you so you can get to work and begin to see things rebuilt in your life. Pastor, what about grace? That is grace. That is grace. See, see too often times we take scriptures like, behold, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we take that one scripture and we try to apply it to every single area of our life. That is talking about sin being forgiven. It is no longer in your life. It is no longer recognized. You are forgiven. It's just as if you had never sinned. You got a blank slate. Man, you can start again. But there is a problem with our theology if all of a sudden we try to take that verse and we try to apply it to every other area of our life. Man, my finances are horrible. God, I give them to you. Behold, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And you look at your bank account and you're still broke. Come on, somebody. You can't take a scripture that is talking about sin being removed from your life and try to apply it to every other area. Are you with me this morning? There is work that needs to be done. There's a thing called a budget. Apply it. Well, good preaching, Pastor. Okay? So this rebuilding and this restoring, listen to me, church. Listen to me. It's not going to happen just because we will it to happen. It's not going to happen just because we wish it to happen. And listen to me. It's not going to happen just because we pray it to happen. 
It is going to happen as the Holy Spirit comes upon you and empowers you to get to work. Oh, man, you guys are sleeping. Amen. Amen. I believe that. I believe God wants to rebuild things in our lives, and he wants to see restoration happen. And the way it's going to happen is as the Holy Spirit comes upon you and empowers you to do it. Amen. I want to give you several things just real quickly um, today, and we'll pick it up next week, and I'll give you, there's about five things I want to share with you over the next two weeks that I see here that I believe are keys for us that we can glean from the life of Nehemiah as Nehemiah begins to rebuild the walls. So let me just share a couple of them with you this morning. The first one is this. How are we going to rebuild and see restoration in 2017? First one is this, is we've got to embrace the pain of change. We got to embrace the pain of change. Change, believe it or not, equals pain. <laughs> For all of you that made New Year's resolutions last night or New Year's lies, whatever you want to call them, come on, somebody. Right? I was reading something uh, last night, and the, 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 uh, a son asked, Mommy, what are New Year's resolutions? Uh, they're a to do list for the first 10 days of the new year. Right? Because after the first 10 days, it's kind of like, where'd those go, right? Some of you made New Year's resolutions that this is the year you're going to get in shape. Don't raise your hand, but how many made that one, right? <laughs> I think I do it every year. I, I, I do take on a new shape. It's just not the shape I want. Come on, somebody, right? <laughs> right? Uh, that is not going to happen just because last night you said, this is the year I'm going to get in shape. It's going to happen as you actually begin to put in the work. Are you with me? And begin to embrace, listen to me now, and embrace the pain that's going to come to you. What's the old saying? No pain, no. Hate it. Right? You've got to embrace the pain of change. Listen to what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah hears the report of what's taking place in his city and from his people. And he experiences so much anguish and pain in that moment, thinking about the ruins that his people are living in. And in that moment, the pain of the ruins that they are sitting in overcame the pain of the change that it was going to take to bring restoration. And I believe the same is true for us. As soon as the pain of your ruin, whatever that ruin is, we all have some, as soon as the pain of your ruin, what you are sitting in, what you are unable to do, unable to accomplish, listen to me, at some point in our life, we have to ask ourselves this question, probably the same question that they had to ask themselves. They, it sat there for nearly 70 years. At what point do we allow the ruins that we are sitting in to create the pain inside of us to say, you know what, we've got to make a change. Something's got something's to change. Something's got to happen. We have to ask ourselves that same question. They ask themselves, what do you do when the very thing that is supposed to bring comfort and hope and peace and joy and safety in your life, what do you do when it's ruined? You can throw in the towel. Yeah, this is the way it's always going to be. Or you can say, you know what? I'm done living in this. And I know it's going to be painful to make the change. But the pain of the change is not as great as the pain of the ruin that I'm sitting in. Are you with me today? Nehemiah had to embrace this thought, had to embrace this moment. Knew it wasn't going to be easy. It's been 70 years. Some of those people were born into that. Oh, come on, somebody. Some of those people, that's all they knew. 
So when Nehemiah shows up and says, you know what? This isn't the way the city's supposed to look. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And they're like, really? Because this is all I've ever known. You know, no, 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 there's something better for you. There's something grander for you. There's something greater for you. See, some of you are sitting in ruins right now and you don't even know it. Some of you think that the marriage, the way it is right now, you think that's the way all marriages are. It's not. I've, I've sat with people and counseled people in their marriage. I said, well, you pastor, you know how marriage is. I was like, well, tell me. And they describe, and it's the fighting, and it's bickering, and this. And I'm like, that might be your marriage. That ain't my marriage. And, and here's the reality. That ain't the marriage God has for you. That ain't the marriage he described in Scripture. That ain't the unity he's talking about. And see, some of you come from so much divorce and so much pain and so much you were born into it. And this is all you know. Some of you grew up in a family that, that knows debt. And because of that, your whole financial life has been a balancing of income and debt. That's what you know. You mean that's not the way it's supposed to be? No, you can live a debt-free life. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. See, when he, when he shows up, some of these people, is all they know. He said, I'm not allowed any longer. Let me tell you someone, the pain of the ruins that you are sitting in becomes greater than the pain that you're going to have to endure to see change. You'll begin to change. You with me? I believe in that for you this year. At what point are you going to say, you know what, enough is enough. I, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make the change. Are you with me? Some people have to hit rock bottom before it gets to that point. We've got to embrace the pain of change. He made an assessment. He looked at it. He heard. He says, okay, we're going to have to make some changes. We're going to have to build. I'll never forget when me and my wife actually, 2013, I think it was. I think we're going into 2013. And uh, there, was, uh, there was some church debt. There was some personal debt. And I just happened to be listening to, who's the debt guy, the Christian debt guy? Ramsey, Dave Ramsey. I was just listening to, I listen to talk radio all the time. And I was listening to talk radio. And I was catching this to tell in as I was pulling into our driveway. And the last thing he said is, you've got to sell what you own to pay off what you owe. And I turned it off and thought, man, that's, a, that's great. I started thinking to myself, what do I own? So I started looking at all my kids' toys. Come on, somebody. Right? I was thinking, man, what do we have that we can sell? And I was just thinking, like, you know, we could have a garage sale, make like a hundred bucks. And, and also, my spirit spoke to me. I said, "No, oh, Ben, what do you own?" I said, "Well, I have, I have two homes." Okay. Well, how much do you owe? I was like, "A lot." I said, "Sell what you have to pay off what you owe." So we sat down. And we put together a game plan, and literally, it was miraculous. In like a hundred days, maybe a little longer. We, we, we sold our condo in downtown Little Italy. We sold our place in Vegas. And we took that money, and we became totally and completely debt-free. So why are you sharing that story, Pastor? Because it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I had plans for that little condo in Little Italy. I had plans for when my daughters turn 18 and move on the, out of the house. Come on, somebody. They're sitting in here saying that. And they go off to college. Me and my wife were going to move back downtown and go walk through the shops and the restaurants, holding hands together, right? 
and it's ruined. But listen to me. We still hold hands, but that's it. I went to shops or restaurants or a condo. But, man, we embrace that, and we walk through it. And let me tell you, man, the feeling, wow, it's a great feeling. If you embrace that pain, I'm telling you, if you embrace the pain of change, something awesome is going to happen. Listen to what they did. The Bible begins to lay out the picture, and this is what they did. Because, listen, it's not just about us. It's not just about you sitting in your seat. Come on, we're going to have Legacy Sunday coming up on the 20th. It's about reaching people for Jesus. And this is what they did. They literally, the Bible said they had a mind to work. And this is what they did. Each family, each home was responsible for the portion of the wall right outside their house. And so here's the Jones family. Come on, somebody. Working next to the Brinkman family. Working next to Archibald family. Come on now. Right? And together, they would take on their part, and as they built and they built, the wall began to come together, began to grow. They did it together. Amen? They, did, they had a mind to do it. They set themselves to do it. They embraced the pain of change together, and they did it. Now, this, this, is, a, this is a miracle. They did it in 52 days. 70 years of ruins, and in 52 days. How, how long have you been sitting in your ruins? I'm telling you right now. And I believe this. There, there are 52 Sundays in a year. And I believe that if we consecrate those days and say, man, I'm coming to church. I'm coming to be a part of my community. And we're going to build something together. I believe that at the end of 2017, as you set those days apart and say, man, pastor, I'm coming to build. Where do you need me to serve? Where do you need me to get involved? I'm just going to show up and worship. Because the person next to me, man, they don't know how to worship yet because they weren't born into it. Come on, somebody. I'm going to show them how to worship. And as we consecrate those 52 Sundays, we begin to give them to him. We begin to work together. I believe that we're going to look back at the end of 2017 and say, wow, look what God has done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's do it together. Let's leave something. First and foremost, we've got to embrace the pain of change. That works for every area of your life. Embrace the pain of change. Hmm. Lastly, for today. You got to talk to the king. Talk to the king. Now, in this story, he talks to two kings. First, he goes to the king of kings and the lord of lords. The Bible says that he is, he's, he's, he's moved, he's grieved. He's impacted by what's happening to his people so much so that it drives him to prayer. Drives him to prayer. And he begins to inquire of the king of kings and the lord of lords. And as he does that, God speaks to him and says, yep, go. Then he goes to the natural king. He says, hey, I need, I, need, I need leave. He gets permission. Here's what you and I need to do. Listen to me. You're not going to do it on your own. You know why New Year's resolutions don't work? Because most of it's just stuff we thought, well, we, I'm just going to do this. It's just willpower. I'm going to will myself to it. I'm going to make it to the gym. You know when gym becomes successful, or, uh, successful is when you have a workout partner. Right? When you have someone calling you up at 5 a.m. and say, hey, fatty, get out of bed. That'll motivate you, right? I don't know if my wife just taps me. Hey, fatty, I'm, I'm gone, I'm gone, right? Here's what prayer does. Prayer invites God into the process. That's what prayer is. Prayer is an invitation to God. And you've got to know something. Uh, since, since the days of Adam and Eve, 
When God said, Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, fill the whole earth. You know what he did? He's, he's not a non-existent God. He is there, but listen to me now. He handed everything over to Adam and Eve and said, hey, rule it. Rule the earth. And he sat there and he's like, I'm rooting you on. Here's what prayer does. Prayer invites God into the process of ruling the earth. That's what it does. Listen, if all we do, listen, because here's the reality. We talk, about our, we talk about our issues. We talk about our ruins. Sometimes we even take the approach of counselors, which I think is needed, and we pay them so we can talk to them about our ruins. We, we can sit in a small group and talk about our ruins. Come on, some of you sit at the coffee shop and talk about your ruins. Some of you sit with a friend and talk about, when's the last time you said, you know what, I'm going to talk to God about my ruins. I'm going to talk to God about the things that are ruined in my life that need restored and rebuilt. And said, you know what, God, listen, it, it just, it's, it's honestly just a New Year's resolution. If I just say, man, this is going to get better, and this is going to get better, and this is going to get better. But you know what, when you say, God, I need you. I can't do it without you. I need your grace. I need your help. I need your power. I need your love. I need your mercy. I need your help. And you invite God into the process. Listen to me. Anything becomes possible at that moment. Amen? Nehemiah recognizes, listen, man, it's not just enough for me to be moved with compassion. It's not just enough for me to, to feel this pain and think I can go and make a change. I've got to go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I've got to inquire of him. When is the last time you got down on your knees and prayed for your marriage? When is the last time you got down on your knees and prayed for your finances? When is the last time you got down on your knees and prayed for your health, prayed for your children, prayed for your city, prayed for your church, prayed for the nations? When is the last time? Amen? We've got to get on our knees, and we've got to call out to the King of Kings. We've got to call out to him. We've got to begin to pray. I mean, come on, somebody, if, if you grew up in the era I did, you knew this. You knew you got to pray just to make it today. Pray. You all missed your cue. Pray. Right? Man, we were doing karaoke last night. Come on, somebody. You should have heard me and John, man. We were tearing it up. We should have done that one. Right? You have got to Pray. Listen, man, have your accountability partner and text them how bad things are. Great. Go to counselors, and I mean that. They are valuable, and they are helpful. But listen to me. If that's all you're doing and you're not praying, I'm telling you right now, drop to your knees and begin to pray. One of my, one of my, 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 my greatest heroes in the faith. I'll never forget a story someone was sharing with me, and they were in a staff meeting. He was leading this church, and they prayed in their staff meeting for like two hours. <laughs> and then and the youth pastor went up and said, hey, pastor, we got so much stuff to do that we need to stop praying and talk for a little bit and figure some stuff out. The pastor looked at him and said, we got so much stuff to do, we got to keep on praying or else we're never going to accomplish it. And you've got to pray. We've got to pray. Invite God into your hurt. Invite God into your pain. Invite God into your ruins. Pray. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's a good message. Seek first. I'm telling you as a pastor, I want to pray more in 2017. I want, I, we finished out 2016 in, in an incredible way. And, and it just uh, as we came into the theaters about three months ago, whatever it's been now, time's flying. 
God just put it on my heart and said, Ben, you, you, you need to pray on Saturday night. And I said, I'll pray on Saturday night. I said, no, I want you to invite people to pray on Saturday night. We're going into our time of 21 days of prayer without fasting, which I love so much better than prayer and fasting. Come on, somebody. And I'm telling you, since we started that Saturday night prayer time, and sometimes it's just me, my wife. Sometimes it's just me and Chris, wherever he's at, standing over there, bodyguarding it. Come on, somebody. You thought those were ushers. Those were bouncers. Him and Terry, look at him. That's vicious. That's a vicious duo right there. Don't mess with them. They will take you out. I'm telling you right now. Chris will pound you and Terry will love you. Come on. Sometimes it's just me and my mom. Or sometimes. It's like 15 of us. It's like, listen, it's not about how many people show up. It's about that we're walking in obedience. That God said pray. And so we've been praying every Saturday night. And I want to encourage you, if you have not yet been to a Saturday night prayer time, come on out. Come on out, pray with us, and watch and see what God will do in 2017. Listen, don't let it just be me believing for you that this will be your year. Don't let it just be me believing that, man, God's going to rebuild something in you, and God's going to restore you. I mean, I've sat with many of you. And, and, and stuff in your life is in ruins, and, and I'm there for you, and I will sit with you time after time after time. But for those of you that have sat with me, you know the first two questions out of my mouth. Have you prayed for, your, for your, whatever it is you're dealing with? And have you been reading your Bible? Those are the first two questions I always ask. And you know what? About 90% of the time, you know what people say? No. And I've, been, I've, I've probably been accused of being mean, but I'll look at them and say, well, when you start doing that, then I'll start meeting with you. Because me meeting with you isn't going to do anything unless God is in the equation. Unless you take time, come on, to seek him and to get him involved. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I believe that 2017 is going to be a great year. If you're here visiting us for the, for the first time, and just stick with us over the next couple of weeks. We're just laying the groundwork and the framework for what we believe is going to be an amazing year. On January 15th, I'm, I'm pumped because we're going to start our new series called Freedom. Well, I believe we're going to see people break free in so many different areas of their life. It's going to be incredible. And we're also on the 15th, we're going to reannounce, which was an incredible thing that took place at the end of 2016, which is Coastal Hills Church and Pastor David and Dion Archibek joining us. And so over the next couple of weeks, if you're just checking it out, this is kind of the next, this week and next week are kind of like family time. We're just laying the groundwork we believe God's going to do in 2017. And then we're going to roll up our sleeves, and we're going to get to work. And we're going to see, by God's grace, many lives restored. Amen? Things rebuilt. And it's going to be because of his grace, but our work. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. I believe that. Are you ready, Canvas Church? Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.